This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt. I'm Noel. I'm Ben. And we are Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Each week, we cover the latest and strangest in fringe science, government cover-ups, allegations of the paranormal, and more. New episodes come out every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host, Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous advances we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, the echidna, the mammal that looks like a cat-sized hedgehog and lays eggs like a platypus, turns out to be a keystone species in Australia's ecosystem. And, unrelated, a study into the psychosocial well-being of Facebook users has discovered how some of us get into a vicious cycle of increased activity and decreased self-esteem online. But first, Tech Stuff host Jonathan Strickland unpacks some online politics for us. The embassy of Ecuador that hosts WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange in asylum cut off his internet access this week. Here's what's going on and why. Assange is the founder of WikiLeaks, a nonprofit organization that publishes leaked documents from governmental and corporate whistleblowers. Assange has been living in the Ecuador embassy in London since 2012 when he sought asylum from Swedish authorities. While residing in the embassy, WikiLeaks has continued to publish whistleblower accounts. As the 2016 presidential election draws closer, those accounts have included batches of documents that cast Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee in a poor light. Some suspect that WikiLeaks, which claims to only publish documentation that others provide to them, received the documents from Russian hackers. It's a complicated mess with problematic domestic and international implications. That's what led to Ecuador severing Assange's internet connection. According to an official statement from the embassy, Ecuador took this action to prevent being associated with interference in the U.S. electoral process because it, quote, respects the principle of non-intervention in the internal affairs of other states, end quote, not because of any outside pressures. But is that enough to prevent WikiLeaks from publishing more documents? 
Probably not. And the statement from Ecuador concedes as much. WikiLeaks is more than just its founder. The organization relies on a network of staff to collect and verify documents. While WikiLeaks isn't as decentralized as the quasi-organization called Anonymous, it is capable of continuing operations without Assange's direct involvement. According to the organization's Twitter feed, WikiLeaks has activated contingency plans. By cutting off Assange's access, Ecuador can distance itself from future allegations of attempting to affect the upcoming U.S. election. The actual leaks will likely continue, documents will be published, and Assange will be involved even if it's just over the phone. All of this adds more fuel to the various theories, accusations, and wild speculation that have been part of this year's U.S. election cycle. And it's probable that the leaked documents will create consequences felt by both Assange and the Democratic Party long after November 8th. Next up, Stuff to Blow Your Mind host Robert Lamb explores how the weird and waddling echidna, which eats about 40,000 individual ants and termites every day, also happens to make Australia's ecosystem possible, not because of that eating thing, but because it burrows. We already knew they were diggers, as echidnas, or spiny anteaters, depend on a diet of ants, termites, worms, and grubs. They spend a lot of time plowing the earth and overturning rocks in search of their prey. But scientists knew relatively little about their lives beyond these generalities. In a recent study published in the Journal of Experimental Biology, a team of Australian biologists unlocked the secrets of the life echidna. They strapped GPS and accelerometer-equipped trackers to 12 short-beaked echidnas and let them run wild. The resulting data filled in a number of details surrounding their bug-sucking, dirt-digging lifestyles. They learned that echidnas boast shorter stride lengths and shorter frequencies than other animals their size, and that their daily activity levels depend greatly on ambient air temperatures, with spring standing out as their busiest season. This makes perfect sense because echidnas have the lowest body temperature of any mammal, 89 degrees Fahrenheit or 32 degrees Celsius. They also lack the temperature control of most other mammals, causing their body temperature to fluctuate by several degrees in the course of a given day. As such, they live a little more like cold-blooded reptiles, than the rest of their warm-blooded kin and limit their activity during the heat of the summer. But the study's coolest finding was that echidnas spend an average of 12% of their time digging and in the process move a colossal amount of soil. One of the researchers predicts that the dozen specimens tracked in their study collectively move an Olympic-sized swimming pool's worth of dirt every year. In this, they aerate and mix the Australian soil. And since they're one of just a few surviving native Australian burrowers, they're not just a biological oddity, they're a true keystone species. Though, to be fair, echidnas will always stand out as a little bit odd. Only four species remain, spread out across the long, isolated ecosystems of Australia, Tasmania, and New Guinea. Like the platypus, they're egg-laying monotremes. And they also seem to exemplify a chimerical blend of anatomical features. The spines of a porcupine, the toothless beak of a bird, and the pouch of a marsupial. But if that wasn't enough, the wonderful and weird echidna also lives up to 50 years in captivity thanks to their slow metabolisms. Females lactate through milk patches in their pouches, while males are somewhat famous for their four-headed penises. The males are also known to sneak into burrows to mate with hibernating females, which is a departure from the so-called mating trains they employ the rest of the time, in which a line of male suitors simply follow a female around for up to six weeks. And if that still wasn't enough, they also play host to the largest fleas on the planet, which are 0.15 inches or 4 millimeters in length. 
Echidnas are cute, sure, but it also makes sense that we name them after the Greek mother of monsters. Finally this week, I've got a story about social media. It's a modern boogeyman blamed for the downfall of community and propriety and even our own sanity. New research brings us closer to answering a question at the heart of this concern. Does being so connected make us more happy or less? In psychology and sociology, there's been a bunch of discussion about how social networks like Facebook can contribute to what's called the fear of missing out. It's the anxiety many of us have, some more acutely than others, that we're not living our best lives, especially compared with our peers. That we could be doing more things, connecting with more people, hugging more kittens, and having more fun. And social networking sites are linked to an increased fear of missing out. We now have solid digital evidence when our friends don't invite us to dinner, or when they have a lovely moment, like on a vacation or in a relationship, that we've never had. But how do we handle that anxiety, and what does it mean for our overall self-esteem? A new study out of Nottingham Trent University, published in the journal Computers in Human Behavior, shows a cluster of links between increased use of social media and lower self-esteem, all mediated through fear of missing out and a previously unresearched factor, online vulnerability. That's our exposure to negative feedback online, like critical or hurtful comments, harassment, and stalking. So, 489 participants, ages 13 to 77, completed an online survey about themselves and their Facebook habits, including their social network size and their willingness to share personal and emotional information. There were also questions to determine their online vulnerability and to evaluate their self-esteem. The researchers crunched the numbers, and they found that when the participants experienced a fear of missing out due to Facebook, it drove some of them to share and participate more on Facebook, likely in an attempt to receive outside validation and boost their self-esteem back up. But that also opened them to experiencing more negativity, which means their self-esteem took another hit, which drove them to share and participate more, and so on. The researchers described it as a sort of self-imposed or self-regulated limbo. It's important to note that the participants skewed young, over half were between the ages of 13 and 17, and the adults were recruited via online advertisements. And 489 people isn't the biggest sample size, so it's possible that the participants aren't a true sample of the overall population. Also important, this study certainly doesn't say that all users of Facebook and other social networking sites experience negative psychological effects. Some research has actually found benefits to increase social media use in lots of populations, including increased social support and self-esteem. Though this study did not find a direct link there. What this study is saying is that when a person does get anxious because of what they see on social media, and then attempts to fix their anxiety with more social media, that can be damaging. Which, when you put it that way, sounds sort of, duh. But one of the great things about science is when it finds ways to bring proof to what sounds obvious. Because in some other cases, attempting to find that evidence proves the obvious wrong. And these results imply some pretty excellent advice. If you're bummed by the internet, seek out better times offline instead of diving deeper. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe now for more of the latest science news and send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover. Plus, let me know your favorite episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I just recorded an episode about Buffy with stuff mom never told you and I couldn't pick one. Maybe the musical? I don't know. Um, you can send us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And, of course, for lots more stories like these, head on over to our home planet, now.howstuffworks.com. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.